Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. You may be familiar with the passage, Proverbs 14, 12. It says, there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, that would apply under the Old Testament and the New, that principle. In the Old Testament, the what seemed right to them would be uh, could be contradicted by what the Old Testament says. And under the New Testament, what seems right to us could be contradicted by what the New Testament says. In either case, Old Testament or New, it's not what seems right to us that makes it truth because what seems right to us might be in, in death, spiritual death. It's what God says that matters. The thing that we must follow is God's word, not what seems right to us. Unfortunately, I think most churches out there today are doing what seems right to them. For example, 1 Corinthians 14, 35 says it's a shame for women to speak in the church. 34 says let your women keep silence in the churches. Nothing could be clearer than that. Yet I'm told 75% of churches across America allow women to preach. Why? Because they're doing what seems right to them. What may be politically correct, what will bring in the most people. So they follow what seems right to them. But according to God's word, the end thereof are the ways of death. Because sin is a transgression of God's law. God's law says women are not to do that. And the result of sin is the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 23. Surely that's a good example of there's a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And we could think of many more examples. If you have a Bible question or comment, the lines right now are wide open. Call us at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. While we're waiting on our first call, I thought we'd examine James 2, 14 through 26, the second half of the chapter of James 2. And it starts in verse 14. And it and that verse 14 sets the context for the rest of the chapter. It's a question raised, and that question is answered by these 13 verses. Here's the question in verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? In other words, the question raised is, can faith without works save us? I think a lot of us need to know the answer to that question. A lot of churches... Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, so forth, they teach that you're saved by faith without works. But the whole point of these 13 verses is to prove that conclusion false. The question again in verse 14 is, can faith without works save? The rest of this chapter is giving the answer to that question. And it's answered four times. Here's the question again in verse 14, James 2, 14. Can faith without works save? Here's the answer. Verse 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. How do you think verse 17 is answering verse 14? The question is, can faith without works save? Verse 17 says, faith without works is dead. Obviously, the answer the inspired writer is given is no. Same thing in verse 20, the second time he answers the question. Verse 20, but wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Again, he answers the question, can faith without works save? No, it's a resounding no. Verse 24, he answers no for the third time. He says, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. That's a double no. That's a double no. He's saying not only is it not by faith only, it's also by works. A man is not saved by faith without works. That's the question in verse 14. He answers it no in verse 17. He answers it no in verse 20. 
He answers it no in verse 24, and the fourth time he answers it no is at the end of verse 26 when he says, so faith without works is dead also. The, the question in verse 14 of James 2 is, what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works, can faith or that faith save him? Can faith without works save? He answers it four times no. Verses 17, 20, 24, and 26. How could anybody teach that you're saved by works? I mean, say by faith without works or by faith only when the whole point of these 13 verses is to prove that conclusion false. God is saying, no, you're not saved by faith without works. Verse 24 says you're justified by works and not by faith only. Yet a lot of churches teach you're saved by faith only. So verse 17 is the first time he answers that question, no. But let's look at the argumentation that James gives we skipped over that before let's look at the argumentation that james gives to prove his no answer here it is verse 15 through 17 if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food and one of you say unto them depart in peace be ye warmed and filled notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body what doth it profit even so faith if it hath not works is dead being alone here james is giving a physical illustration to make a spiritual point. And here's the illustration. I mean, the Bible does this all the time, and this section does it two or three times. The physical illustration is this. Say somebody comes to you, and they don't have enough clothing. They're cold. Or they don't have enough food. They're hungry. And they ask for help. And you say, well, be you warmed and filled, meaning I help you find what you're looking for, but you don't help them. Is that going to do them any good to say be you warmed and filled to say, I hope you find food and clothing, but don't help them with their food and clothing. And James is saying to the audience, which would already know this, of course, that's not going to help them. Physically, that's not going to do them any good just to tell them, be you warmed and filled if you don't help them. And he says, even so, meaning in the same way, faith without works is dead also. Just like saying, be you warmed and filled, I hope you find what you need and not helping them won't do them any good physically. Faith without works won't do us any good spiritually. It's dead. That's the point. The question, verse 14, is can faith without works save? The answer, verse 17, no. Faith without works is dead. No, the answer is no. Again, we said the answer. second answer is in verse 20. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The second answer is verse 20, but we skipped over his argumentation. Let's go back and look at that. In other words, the supporting reasons, how he comes to this conclusion in verse 20, that faith without works is dead. He says in verse 18, beginning, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my my faith by my works. Here's what he's saying. You can't tell if somebody has faith unless they demonstrate it through works. Just like you can't tell uh, if a person loves God except by keep, if he keeps his commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You cannot read a person's mind. You can't tell if he has faith. He may say he has faith, but this is something inside of him. You cannot tell if he truly has faith except by looking at his actions. That's the point of verse 18. And just like that, he's saying faith without works is dead. Just like the fact that you can't tell somebody has faith without their works, you can't be saved by faith without works. Second illustration in this section, verse 19. 
Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. James should have been a debater because this is a great argument. Here's people that might say, you're saved by faith without works. And James is saying, you know, if that were true, the demons would also be saved because they believe, but they don't have works. Doesn't the devil believe Jesus is the son of God? The devil knows Jesus is the son of God. He knows it without any doubt that Jesus is the son of God. So he believes he has faith. But he doesn't have works. He doesn't serve Jesus Christ. He believes Christ is the son of God, but he doesn't submit to Christ. He doesn't serve him. So if somebody could be saved by faith, we're talking about salvation from sin here, verse 14. If somebody could be saved from their sins by faith without works, then the demons, the devil would be saved. That's a good argument. Of course, all of his readers would would agree the demons, the devil, is not going to be saved. And when they admit that, they admit that faith without works won't save either because the demons, the devil, has faith without works. They believe Jesus is the Son of God. They know it without doubt, but they're not willing to serve the Son of God. They're not willing to submit to him. They're not willing to obey him. They have faith without works. The demons have faith without works, but we know they're not saved. That proves with us the same thing is true. Faith without works is saved. Isn't that a good argument? It's a great argument. It's a brilliant argument. It's a conclusive argument. It's an inspired argument, and you ought to accept it. If you believe or are part of a church that believes you're saved by faith without works, you need to turn 180 degrees because God is saying in these 13 verses, you're wrong. It takes faith and works. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call, 877-655-6755. The lines are wide open. If you have a Bible question or comment, even if you want to argue with me in a friendly way, the number to call is 877 877- Six five five six seven five five. Remember the the question in verse fourteen of James two is can faith without works save? The third time he answers that no is in verse twenty four. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. But let's go back and look at his supporting argumentation there, verse twenty one through twenty four. Let me read that. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought? or worked with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed in him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. So that's his conclusion. His answer to verse 14, can faith without works save is, you're justified by works and not by faith only. In other words, the answer to the question in verse 14 is no. But who does he bring up as proof that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. He brings up Abraham. He says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar? Certainly he was. Genesis chapter 22. He was justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar. Abraham was according to the scripture. And that means we're saved like Abraham. In the sense, we're saved by works, not under the same law, of course. We're under the New Testament law, the law of Christ. Abraham wasn't. But we're saved by works and not by faith only. That's the point of this. That's his conclusion in verse 24. And his argument in 21 through 23 is Abraham. So 22 says, see how his faith worked with his works and by works was faith made perfect? In other words, our faith is made perfect or complete by our works. If we have faith without works, then we have an incomplete faith. And therefore, those that say you're saved by faith only without works are saying you're saved by an imperfect or incomplete faith. Again, everybody knows that's absurd. You're not saved by an incomplete faith. 
you got to have works to perfect, to complete that faith, according to verse 22. Jennifer from Arizona, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Good, good, good evening. Um, the brethren, are you supposed to um, treat them different than, like, love your neighbor or people that are called your brother? Are the brethren set apart and special? Yeah, in, in, a, in a lot of respects, you are. For example, I'll give you one example, Jennifer, and that's a very good question. Verse 10 of Galatians 6 says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So we're supposed to help people who are less fortunate than we are. We're supposed to help them, anybody, even non-brethren, even non-Christians. But he says, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Give them special consideration, the brethren. In other words, if you only have enough money to help one person and you see two needy people, one of them is a Christian, one's not, then help the Christian. You're to help everybody, but especially those who are of the household of faith. So there are a number of passages that give special consideration to Christians. We're to love our neighbor as ourselves, Matthew 22. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbors yourself. On those two laws hang all the law and the prophets. And that includes everybody, even non-Christians. But we're to treat Christians especially well. Jennifer, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So your neighbor as yourself means literally people that live near you and anywhere, any any person you run into is your neighbor. That's exactly right. Anybody you have not, remember the, the, good, the story of the Good Samaritan? Yeah. He said, Who, yes. who's that neighbor? It's anybody that needs help becomes your neighbor. It's not okay. talking about like a next door neighbor as if the one who okay. lives two doors down, you don't have to help. It's like you so said, anybody you, you run into that needs help, you need the opportunity you have. If you can use your resources to help them, okay. do it. And Everybody's your neighbor in that sense. The gospel, you can't just help them and give them things. You have to share the gospel with them as well, and you have to help people even if they completely reject the gospel. Doesn't that play into uh don't throw your pearls to give your pearls to swine. Well, yeah, giving your pearls before swine. I think that's in Matthew seven verse five. It's talking about yeah. when you're trying to preach the gospel to somebody, and and you've given them a full opportunity, and they're still ridiculing the idea of the gospel. Then maybe it becomes time to move on to somebody else. Quit spending so much time on one person, especially if they rejected it. Move on to somebody else who might be willing to listen. Here's what, what I think maybe you're getting at. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, If any man won't work, neither should he eat. So we are to help people that, you know, uh, financially, monetarily, who are in need, but not people who are not willing to help themselves. If a person uh-huh. won't work, neither should he eat. If, what if, but what if a person has a tornado and their house is smashed and they lose all their food and clothing and place to live? They need help not because they're not willing to work. They need help because they've run into a calamity or maybe they have uh, 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 this rare disease and, and the hospital bills, the medical bills have just run them out of money. It's not through any fault of their own. It's not that they're not willing to work. They are, but they have a special calamity. Help them. You're more fortunate than they are. Is that what you were getting at, Jennifer? Don't just help somebody who's not willing to help themselves. Okay. Yeah. That, that provides a lot of clarification. However, the streets now in many cities are filled with people who are 
drug addicts, and I have a hard time, I, I don't, I mean, it's not to me to judge, but if they're just living in the streets, I mean, are we supposed to help them also? So there are plenty of Christians, the congregation I worship with, we basically send $1,000 a week to Christians like in Africa, uh, Zimbabwe, Kenya, Philippines for food, housing. These are Christians who are trying to do what's right. They're willing to work, but it, in third world countries, they don't have all right. the money we have over here. Everybody in this country can be helped by the government. The government helps, gives everybody free money. So I would really hesitate to help somebody like that because the people I've run into, and I've studied with a number of people who claim to be in situations like that, they're in that situation because they don't want to work, okay? okay. And there's plenty of yeah. money coming from the government to take care of them anyway. You talk about a place like Kenya or Zimbabwe, there is no money yeah. coming from the government to help them, and there are Christians over there that are starving. So the congregation I'm with, we choose to help these Christians, especially to them who are of the household of faith, who don't have the opportunity to get free money from their governments. They're, they want to work. Their name may not be jobs over there. We're helping them. We're not going to help people who are not willing to work over here and who can get free money from the government. Uh, See, the, the decision that, we make, yeah. there's, only in the, there's only so much money to go around. We're going to help the Christians who are willing to work but live in a third world country and they can't get any food. And we're going to help them as opposed to the people here in America that aren't willing to work and they can get free money from the government. That's the decision we make. Does that make sense, Jennifer? Yes, very much so. Thank you. Jennifer, thanks for your call. Okay. Okay. Good night. Have a good evening. And so we're back in James 2. We were saying from verse 22, if you have a faith that doesn't work, that's an incomplete faith. Your faith has never been made perfect. For somebody to say you're saved by faith only is to say you're saved by an incomplete faith. Of course, that's not true. So verse 24, he says, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Compare that to the Methodist Creed book that says justification by faith only is the most wholesome doctrine and very full of comfort. But God says you're justified by works and not by faith only. A direct contradiction. It may be a wholesome or, or a very full of comfort doctrine, but it directly contradicts what God says. The question in verse 14 is, can faith without works save? The answer in verse 24 is, no, you're justified by works and not by faith only. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755, 877-655-6755. The fourth time he answers the question of verse 14 is at the end of verse 26, so faith without works is dead also. What's the supporting argumentation? Verse 25, likewise also was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. Now, this is not talking about Rahab's spiritual salvation. I don't think we know if she was ever spiritually saved. If you go back in Genesis, it's, this is talking about her physical salvation. When the Israelite spies, the 12 spies came in, Joshua and Caleb and the other 10, she helped them. She hid them. Otherwise, they might have been caught and been put to death. But because she hid them, when the armies of the Israelites came in and took the city, they spared her life. They, uh, they, they spared her and her family's life. So she was justified by work. She was saved, justified physically, saved physically. She didn't lose, her and her family didn't lose her life because by works because they had saved the spies. Then he says, 
the argument is in the same way, faith without works won't help spiritually. We're saved by works spiritually, just like Rahab was saved physically by her works. And then the, the last argumentation, verse 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now, some people think, well, death is when the heart stops beating. No, you can shock them back in. The death, physical death, is when spirit leaves the body, according to this. When the spirit leaves the body, when somebody actually dies physically, all that's left is a big old hunk of dead flesh. Big old hunk of dead flesh. How alive is that body when it's sitting in a coffin? Zero, right? I'm not being disrespectful, disrespectful, but they're not alive at all. And he's saying faith without works is the same way spiritually. Faith without works, you're not alive spiritually at all. You're dead. Faith without works is dead spiritually, just like a body without the spirit is dead. Just like it. Four times he answers this question. The question is, can faith without works save? Verse 14, four times he answers. 17, 20, 24, 26. No, absolutely not. Tim from Tucson, Arizona. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, hi. Um, my wife was just newly saved, and um, what you were just saying about having to be baptized, well, we, we don't know who to go to for that, and we're not sure, like, we don't even know if the people are, like, really saved or what, um, so we want to make sure we're doing the right thing. I don't know if I can baptize her being a Christian, um, but also, you know, it brings up the question to me, you know, there was the thief next to Jesus on the cross, and he said, you know, he would be in heaven with him, you know, and he wasn't baptized. Um, Tim, so what like, covenant, I could, what law did the thief live under? When, do you know the old, you have Old Testament and New Testament law. When did the Old Testament law stop being binding? Do you know, Tim? Yes, yes. Yeah, when Jesus, before Jesus, yeah. Colossians 2.14 says Jesus nailed that old law to the cross. And then Hebrews 9.15-17 says his the New Testament wouldn't go into effect until after the death of the testator. I'm going to have to go off the air in a minute, Tim, so I'm going kind of fast here. So remember, so the thief didn't have to be baptized because the New Testament law, which teaches baptism is required, didn't go into effect until after Jesus died. The thief didn't have to be baptized for the same reason Adam, Moses, Abraham, Noah. None of those guys had to be baptized because that old law never even mentions baptism one time. It's strictly a New Testament ordinance. Tim, that's why the thief on the cross didn't have to be baptized, okay? Gotcha. So now what Tim, about, like, here, can, I, can I... Here's what I'm going to do, Tim. I'm going to have to go off the air in just a minute. How about if I call okay. you later on tonight, hopefully in the next five or ten minutes, and let's connect up and maybe we can have a Bible study about baptism and talk about it in depth instead of trying to do it in two minutes here, okay? Okay. Would that work? Yes. Expect a call from me in about five or ten minutes, okay? And so I can, and we'll talk about maybe setting up a time when we can study a time that'll be convenient for you guys and talk about this, okay? Okay. And and you have my phone number? Well, let me. I'm pretty sure I do, but go ahead and tell it to me anyway. Okay, it's five two zero three four two seven six eight zero. Five two zero three four two seven six eight zero. Yes. I'll try to call you in about five minutes, Tim. Thanks for your call. God bless. God bless you. We're going to have to go off the air in a minute. We appreciate so much the calls and your listening. We want to encourage you to listen same time next week. And one other thing that I always mention at the end of the program or try to, 
I'm going to try to get a, uh, have a study with Tim. We're going to talk about baptism and the entry, uh, what the Bible says about baptism. I would like to offer that to everybody who's listening. It doesn't have to be on baptism. We could talk about any Bible topic you're interested in. If you would like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime at your convenience, when it's convenient for you, I want you to call or text me after the program at 256-682-9753. Pat Donahue at 256-682-9753. Call that number. We'll set up a time that's convenient for you to do a one-hour free Bible study with me. Now, I want you to remember James 2. The question in James 2 is, can faith without works save? Verse 14. Can faith without works save? He answers that four times. Verse 17. Faith without works is dead. 20, faith without works is dead. 24, you justified by works and not by faith only. 26, faith without works is dead. The answer in the Bible is faith without works will not save. If somebody teaches faith, you're saved by faith alone, they're wrong.